I'm so excited to start a new series called In the Zone. I've been thinking a lot and talking a lot to people about just the idea of God moving. You know, we see what's happening in culture and all this kind of stuff, and it's easy for us to say, oh, things are bad, and oh, things are dark, and things are... But the greatest Bible stories start in the worst times, and that should get you excited. Amen? I'll say it again. The greatest Bible stories... The greatest moves of God, the greatest rising up of a people to see their nations transformed, the greatest moves of God happened in the darkest times among the people. So when you turn on the TV and when you see different things and hear different things, you shouldn't go, my God, we should hide out, we should camp out, we should shut in, we should buy powdered food or whatever you do. Uh, We should go, this is about to get exciting, Christians. You know, we should look around and be Hey, this is going to be good. Do we have enough battery in the camera? Are we going to, amen? Because God, I believe, and he promises it in his scripture that in these last days, he's going to empty himself. He's going to, this is going to be the all in. This is going to be like full out. Amen. And so I look at the times and I think, man, this is going to be amazing that God is going to move and truth is going to shine. And I guess the one thing that I know too is that the darker and the more destructive and the more off the way God created, the more we get off the way God created us to be, the more that that happens, the darker it gets, the more evil it gets, the brighter truth will shine. And so I'm actually okay and I and I'm not for evil and I'm and I'm sad as you are to see the things that happen especially when people's lives are lost. But I also know the darker the time, the brighter the light. And so, and, and so we, just, we just see this, people will be drawn over to this truth, which is God, but it requires a people, a Christians, being that light, being that truth. It didn't say they're going to be drawn to our bumper sticker. They're going to be drawn to how good we read our devotionals at home in our quiet time, how we pray... It's the light that we live out. It's the way that we display God in our lives that's going to draw all men to him. As scripture says, if Christ be lifted up, he'll draw all men, meaning we got to be out there lifting up the name of God. And so for me, uh, this series is exciting because we're going to talk about what does it look like to be in that zone, the way God called us to live, being in that place where we can be that light, we can be that purpose. And uh, I've said it like this before, many people say, Man, Christianity, you know, why are you a part of that? How can you belong in that? Like, it's so full of rules. And the truth is, the Bible and Scripture is full of more promises for your life than it is rules. And the rules actually work like this. Like, God is saying, hey, don't do something that way. It's so much better if you do it this way. So when it's like, hey, don't walk in unforgiveness, hey, don't murder, don't covet, hey, don't do that, instead love, instead forgive, he's saying, don't do it like that, it's better to do it like this. It's actually not like a restricting God, it's a God who loves you enough to show you how to do it better. And so the scripture says that Jesus came, he said, I came to give you life and give it to you better, meaning Jesus came to live out and to display the best way to live. Hey, you've heard it said like this, but oh, what a mess, you should do it like this. And then that's the best way to live because that's the way God wired you and created you and even equipped you in the way that he built the world to work to do it his way. Amen? And, and so there's a zone. There's a place to it. He showed us the best way to live. I came to give you life and give it to you better. Here's the zone. And so he lived out all throughout the New Testament. He walked among us and showed us the best way to live. 
Now, the good thing about, I, I feel for Jesus is the good thing about it is he had struggle and he had frustration and he had times where he literally asked God, hey, is there any other way? Meaning like, I don't love this zone. Isn't that true? And, and so I think for many of us, like we, we, we love the idea of the zone and being used by God and moving, but there's also times in the zone where like, I want out of the zone. <laughs> I don't like this zone. And, and I get to look at Jesus who I'm following and be like, you know, there was times too where he was like, hey, this is, this is pretty rough. And, and, and he had people around him and people and all this stuff was going on. He was being sold out and he was being betrayed. All these things were happening because the zone doesn't mean perfect. It just means the place that God has called us to live and go make a difference. Amen. And so what I want to specifically talk about today is today when we talk about the zone is your zone is happening right now. You were created, you were placed here on the earth, and the scripture says that when you get to heaven, God is going to look at you and say, hey, remember when I created you and I gave you your time frame of life, essentially your zone here on earth? He's going to say, what'd you do with that? And we give an account for the way that we spent our life because at the end of it all, he wants us to steward it well and, and live the way he created us. So you have this whole, how did it go and what did you do? And you have this whole thing with God. And then he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You may enter in like you, you did it. Amen. You won your zone. You, you, and so for me, it's like, all right, we're all in the zone. We all are in our zone because we're here on earth and God created us and put us here and we're, we're called to live the way he called us to live. So you're in it now. So what I'm trying to say is your zone doesn't start, well, let's just get through summer. Well, we've, you know, this year didn't work out. Let's start the zone in 2018. You're in the zone right now. You're in, God's like put you in, now, now the way that we act in the zone, now the way that we start doing some things, it matters, amen? So Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, it says, now faith, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When is faith required? Right now. Right now. Now faith is. Now faith is. So it's easy for us in our culture to be like, hey, we're busy. We're busy. Well, we got that thing. God, we got that thing. And God's like, no, I got a zone for you to be in. And the scripture says that that faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And when do we use faith? Now. Now. Today. Right now. When you leave here, faith is still required to win in this zone, to make it, to be, to do this thing and to make a difference and change our community and all the things that get us excited. It requires faith to be happening when? Now. And then even later and even later and even later. And so I'm going to be really redundant for the next 20 minutes, but I want to get us to see that God is moving in our lives when? Now. Right now. God is moving in our lives. You have all that you need right now to make an impact in your community and to make a difference. Now faith is. It's an active thing. Now faith is a substance. Not someday. Not the next service. Now faith is. I heard it said like this once, that now spelled backwards is one. It's one, like victory. Like you win now. Your victory is now. We said, well, maybe if I learn a little more, do a little more, maybe if I go to the book study, maybe if this or my husband or my wife, if we do this. No, now is where the victory is. Right now is where you win. Amen? There's this crazy thing that happens in John chapter 2, and I won't get into the whole reading of it because it's a lot, but uh, in the Jewish mindset, whenever Jesus or somebody did something or said something about Scripture, 
it was a picture to them, a lot of times spoken picture. So they wouldn't see an action and say, that happened. They would see an action and they would say, that happened. But then they would also say, what could it mean? What could every part of it mean? And so Jesus does this thing where he turns the water into wine. And the, basically the wedding planner, or it says the master of the feast, hears of it. So they run out of wine. And Jesus turns the water into wine. And the servants take the wine to the wedding planner, and he goes, wow. And he does this whole thing about how, like, wow, normally you give good wine, and then essentially says when everyone gets drunk, you can put the bad wine out. But he says this thing about, wow, this is interesting that you had the good wine out, and then you brought more of the good wine out. Essentially, the best was done now. There was no holding back. There was no like a little in the thing and a little there. And so to the Jewish mind, this was like, whoa, now the time, like the best is now is what it meant. It was Jesus going like, hey, guess what? All in. I've come and saved you and set you free and gone all in. I've put everything out there now, now. The best is now, amen? And so we can turn on the TV and we can go, oh, I don't know if it is, whatever. But Jesus 2,000 years ago was already saying, oh, the best is now. You guys have access to the best right now. <laughs> you with me today? <laughs> I've been away for a little bit, so I'm a little built up for you. But if we could get this understanding of not after summer, not next year, not when the kids grow up a little bit, but Jesus is saying to you, yeah, the best is now. Like, you can do it now. You're capable now. I've given you the best now. Now move in it. Now do something with it. Amen? The scripture says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he's walking and, and equipping and he's saying to his disciples that, hey, you'll do even greater things than me, he's the same Jesus saying it to you today. Like, now is the best time for us to change our city and transform our families and be used by God now. Amen? The scripture says that our days are numbered and we should spend them accordingly. Your days are numbered. Your nows are numbered. Spend them accordingly. I've given you your now. Spend that thing accordingly. Make sure you're not putting an excuse on it. Make sure you're not being passive and make sure you're not putting it off for another thing. He's saying, pay attention to your now and spend it accordingly. Amen. That's why Ephesians 5, 6 says we are to redeem the time because the days are evil. We are to redeem the time because the days, the nows are evil. We are to redeem the time. Notice it didn't say that the pastor is going to do it. Notice it didn't say the televangelist is going to do it. We need to wait for the prophet to do it. We need to wait. It says we are to redeem the time. We are to take the now and, and hook up with God and attach ourselves to what God is saying and go redeem these times. Amen? The word there, redeem, in the Greek is the word kairo. It's where we get this idea, kairos moment, which means window of opportunity, small moment in time, open a second and gone, or it's a glimpse, a kairos moment. Every day we have kairos moments where God is saying, now do something in faith. Now do something. You have a moment to do something. I wonder if we wake up and say, what now, God? What now? Or do we just live Sunday service to Sunday service? We come into our service and we say, now, God. And then we come back the next Sunday and say, now, God. 
Or are we saying, God, I understand that you've called me to be a part of something that redeems the times because they're evil. So what now this morning, God? What now at lunch break? Amen? Now, that's the zone God called us to live in, is this zone of now God wants me to move and make an impact and make a difference. Amen? Culture is saying to us, look at this mess. And the media just portrays headlines and things and fighting. And they just, they just broadcast like, look at this mess. Look at this mess. And God is calling us, hey, everybody, let's redeem this mess. Now, now, right now. Amen. <laughs> and so that's our call in this zone. It's like, guess what? We have a tremendous opportunity now to go out and make a difference, now to redeem the times because they're evil. That's our opportunity God invites us to. We're all on a track called time. Every single one of us are on the same track or the same road called time. There is no person that can change or manipulate how time works. Time is not forgiving. It doesn't change for anyone. We all think we can do stuff later. Uh, like, oh, we, we'll get to that later or I'll arrange things to get to something later. But you can't change time. It's not like a rich person over here gets a different kind of time and then this person gets a different kind of time. We're all on the same track of time. I think about it this way. When we miss yesterday, it's gone forever. The scripture says tomorrow is promised to no man. We always say that in church world as like a good, you could leave here today and be hit by a car. Where will you spend eternity? But think about it like this. Tomorrow is promised to no man. So you don't have an opportunity to make a difference tomorrow. You might not have the opportunity to make a difference tomorrow or to talk to your neighbor or to go reach somebody or to start. Tomorrow is promised to nobody, which means now is the time. Now is the time for us to get serious and thoughtful about how God wants to use us and make a difference in our life. Amen? If we don't plant today, we don't harvest tomorrow. That's the thing about the kingdom of God is if, if we don't start doing something today, there won't be something for us later. And can I tell you, some of the evil groups and culture, they are planting today. They are very strategic, they're very intelligent, and they're very resourceful about the message that they want to see happen five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. They are planting today. How much more should the church be sticking something in the ground so we have something tomorrow? Amen. And it's easy to say amen there. Amen, I believe it. I believe that. And then it goes from Sunday to Sunday. Every day we have to stick something. To, what are we planting today so we can harvest tomorrow? Yeah. Scripture says, and we all get excited about the idea of going from glory to glory. Oh, God just takes us from glory to glory. Glory to glory. As if it's like this. Amtrak that comes around and we get on a glory and it takes us around and then we get off and we get on another glory. And it's like, just works so great. And we just love this glory Amtrak. But that's not how it works. It's not just this thing that like looks good and you get on it. it it's something that you have to work for. To go from glory to glory is not this fast forward time travel. To go from glory is like you go from now to now. Does that make sense? In God, you go from now, like God called you to do something here now, and you're obedient and you follow him in that. And then when you get through that, there's, guess what? Another now waiting for you. And you're obedient to that one or that one. And then all of a sudden you look back and you go, I've gone from that glory to that glory. I've gone from that now to this now, but look at all that God has done in it. Amen. It's not just this 
picture that you share on Facebook and then God blesses you and you've gone from glory to glory. It's us being, God, I'm going to trust you in the now, in this moment, in this obedient, in this thing. And you just keep walking with him. Amen. Psalm 1 gives this interesting saying, and I think there's a progression here that we can see. Psalm 1, verse 1 says, Blessed is the one, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. Stepping, standing, sitting. Notice the progression is less movement, less now. But though, but who's delight is in the law of the Lord or the zone of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. It didn't say Sunday to Sunday, like a Sunday here, a Sunday there. It didn't say season to season. It said it's a person who lives in, meditates in, in the now of God, the day and night, the now, the, the, the what we're in now. Amen. And I noticed the progression here and I see that all the time when people walk away from God, they were once stepping and then something happened or they got busy and life hit or they got hurt or they got offended or something happened. And then they stopped stepping and then they started standing. Then after some time of standing, they decided to be sitting. Amen. And now all of a sudden they've just become sitters in the thing of God. They're just sitting there. And, and oftentimes in my experience, sitters, are the loudest. They're sitting and they're saying. They're sitting and they're saying. They're sitting there and they're saying stuff about what others are doing. And my response to that is they're missing their now, first of all. They're missing their now because they're just sitting and saying. They're actually not doing anything in their now. But my response to somebody who just sits and says, my response is always, well, what are you going to do about it? I'm going to sit here on my rear and tell you how it should be instead of getting up and doing something about it. Amen. And so it talks about the company of standers all the way, but it says the person who lives in the now and meditates in what God is doing, being blessed is that person who delights in it. Amen? One of the biggest things that I think steals us from the now and the power of now and faith is now and God wants to move now, I think one of the things that really steals us is the thief of yesterday or tomorrow. Many of us get robbed by the thief of yesterday or the thief of tomorrow. What I'm trying to say is many of us miss our now because of the shame of yesterday. Many of us miss our now because of the, the hurt of yesterday or the pain or the rejection. And we say, it happened to me, but I can't do it now because this happened here. Amen? And so I can't do it now because last time I tried that and so that one's easy to identify with. Like, oh, we've all been there. We've all, and that one's actually pretty easy to confess. Yeah, I've been hurt. Yeah, I've been disappointed. Yes, I've been less down. That one's easy to confess. But the thief of tomorrow is a harder one to admit. And that one works like this, where we say, I'm not going to do it now because tomorrow is pretty cushiony for me. I'm not going to give all to God here in my now because there's a lot of success waiting for me tomorrow. And so I'd rather not commit to this because I know this good is coming. 
What am I trying to say? There's things on our schedule. There's cushion in our bank accounts. There's all of these things that we look ahead. God, I could really give myself to God now. I could really give my life to serving and making a difference and giving. But man, ahead of me tomorrow looks so nice. And I want to keep it safe and I want to keep it polished and I want to keep going down that easy road. But, and then we say this one because I've earned it, right? And it, it steals you of your now because you're comfortable with what you've set up for tomorrow. Well, we can't now because summer and we should really just enjoy some. Well, we can't now because it's the holidays and we should the holidays. And we can't now because the kids and when the kids get old and the thief of tomorrow comes and steals our now. Amen. That's why the scripture says this. This is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. This day is the day that God made and I'm going to rejoice in it. I'm going to celebrate it. I'm going to own it is what the scripture saying. Our mindset is we have this now. Amen. We have this now. Let's do something with it. Let's rejoice in it. Let's celebrate it because we have today. Let's give all that we have to God in this. Many of us have this someday disease. Someday, all this. A bunch of the wives right now are like, that's you, someday. <laughs> someday, someday disease. Someday we'll get to this. Someday I'll get serious about my, my word and reading the word and spending time with God. Someday I'll get serious about plugging in and, and, and getting authentic relationships that build me up and being a part of a local church. Someday I'll get plugged in and serve and, and contribute and make a difference in the vision of the church and what God is doing in my community. Someday uh, we'll, 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 you know, someday we'll arrange things and we'll be able to tithe and someday we'll be able to give and someday we'll be able to uh, spend some time with our neighbor and all that. Someday, someday, someday. Can I tell you that the devil isn't afraid of someday because he knows just as well as we do that tomorrow's promised to no man. So if most of the church in the body of Christ is spending their time putting stuff in someday, he's not scared of it because he knows it's not promised to you. But if you wake up and you do now, that's going to put hell on alert. Amen. I just think about God who gave his son. Obviously we know gave everything, gave everything. So he created this, there was a fall, there was sin, separation, and finally, he sends his son, all his, he dies on the cross, forgiveness of sin, the veil is torn, we, we, it's finally all put back, right? And the plan has come together, and he's bought back his children, we're in this place, and he looks down, he's like, oh, I can't wait to see how they're using this, I can't wait to see how they're moving in this, and then he looks down, and all we keep saying is someday, someday. He's like, someday, do you know what I've done for you? <clears throat> do you know what I've, excuse me, put together for you? For you to say someday? Do you know, do you know, like we did it. We, 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 and someday, this is how we're doing it is someday. <laughs> Amen. I thought about it like this. If you've ever gone on vacation, which many of us, of course, have done that already over the summer. And what happens is, in your last couple days, vacation's coming to an end, and you see one day left, two day left, whatever it is, all of a sudden, you start doing what in those last couple days? You, you start valuing those last days, right? Like, we'll say things like, oh, oh, no, we, we are not letting this happen. 
This is our last day. We are going to enjoy this. If you have kids, that might be happening. But you get this mindset of, oh, no, 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 no. We only got a couple that we only got a little bit here. And we're going to make sure we squeeze every bit out of this now. Amen. What if our mindset was that? Tomorrow is promised to no man. And I'm not going to let this day get away from me because I need to make sure I get everything out of this now. When Jesus calls it the last day, I wonder if our mindset should be, hey, we're in these last days. This is coming to an end here. And I'm grateful that we're going to get to go to heaven and spend eternity with him. And I get all that kind of stuff. But right now in these last days, how about we squeeze the most out of it now? Amen. And so now I'll close with this thought. Even the way that Jesus speaks to us gives us a present day mindset. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, he says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble for its own. And it's important for us to have a vision and goals and plans. And you know, we talk about that immensely here. Uh, and we'll do it again in January, write our goals. It, it is important to have your eyes on what's ahead. But you wake up in the day and you say, I have now, I have today. God, what do you want to do in this? Don't try to find ways to take what God has called you to do in your day and put it in tomorrow and all this kind of He's saying, don't worry about that stuff. You have today. Deuteronomy 33, 25 says, it, it says this in another scripture. I'm just going to paraphrase this part. But it says this. It says that your strength will equal your day. Meaning that the strength that God gives you, the grace that he gives you in a day, he ties it to your day. Why? Because he wants us daily focused. He wants us living in the now. He wants us with our eyes on the present. Your strength will equal your day. What's your focus in the day? God will give you the strength for it. That's why I think when he says, hey, number your days and spend them accordingly, it's because he's going to give you the strength that you need for that day that you numbered. Amen? And so we, we need to just know that our day is important. Isaiah 43, 19 says, See, I am doing a new thing now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Meaning it's possible for God to be doing something now and us not notice. So if you're living in the now, that's how you perceive it. And so do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Pay attention to the now. I would say it's pretty easy to say that there's a wilderness happening and that there's a desert happening in our culture. Amen. Let's Wake up to what God is doing now in it. I thought about this, the parable of the talents. Basically what happens there is a person didn't spend his day right. He didn't spend his time in the now. Scripture says that he gave five to one and that person increased five. Gave two to another, that person increased it too. The one person did nothing in his day, didn't take advantage of the now. And the scripture says he was called wicked and lazy servant. Basically, the rebuke was like, hey, you didn't advance your now. Amen? And so it's important for us to spend all that we have in our now with God. God, what do you have for me now? What are you saying for me now? And I get seasons of strategy and, and pacing your schedule and all those kinds of things. But it's up to you to lay your head down on your bed at night and say to God, God, I did everything that you gave me today. I mean, don't, you don't got to try to lie to me or your spouse or whatever. It's God who we're responsible to in how we balance. Amen. Even check this out. In Luke chapter 11, verse 
two through four. He even tells us to pray this way. He says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, our now. And forgive us of our debts as we also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. All those things. Our Father out in heaven, our kingdom come, your will be done. All of these moves of God today, now, in this day, give us our daily bread. Because God wants us focused on now. Why do you think the enemy is doing so good at getting you distracted? Right? All the ads, all the things, all the stuff that goes out is to get you to look over here, look over here, look at this. You don't have this. You don't have this. Look at all the stuff that you should have. Why? Because then you won't win now. Amen?